0: the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle Devotion to duty and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking.
1: That was the voice of General Dwight David Eisenhower, the Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces, addressing his men the night. Before D Day, we're going to talk about that in a second, but first, preborn is in the business of saving the lives of babies, and let me give you an example. You know, recently a young mom heard a preborn ad, and the lives of her family changed dramatically. She had kept the pregnancy a secret from her mom and dad and made an appointment at an abortion clinic. Days before that appointment, she heard a preborn ad on the radio and heard that a baby's heartbeat is detectable just days after conception. She couldn't get that message out of her mind. Well, the day came, and she arrived in the parking lot of the abortion clinic. She sat there thinking again about that powerful message. While she was terrified, she called her mom and said, Mom, I'm pregnant. I have an appointment right now for an abortion, and I can't do it. Please come and get me. Together, we helped—that means you and me— helped to rescue this precious baby and mother from the pain of an otherwise fatal decision— And we can be praying for this brave young girl. Preborn writes 200 stories just like this every single day. One ultrasound is just $28. All you have to do is go to preborn.com slash Sandy, preborn.com slash Sandy. $28 will pay for one ultrasound. And I bet you can afford even more than $28. So uh, give your most generous donation to help people, women. We, We don't have our name because some of these stories, they don't want to give their names. And you can understand that. But this young girl, her life is real, I guarantee you. Uh, and this, you know, an ad like this, uh, someone like me talking about this is what caused her to choose to keep her baby. So we need to keep this going, Keep the word. get the word out that there's an alternative to abortion, and that's what Preborn is doing. So go to preborn.com slash Sandy, preborn.com slash Sandy. Well, just about 79 years ago, almost exactly, uh, in fact, it was June the 6th of 1944, the Allies, and that was the Americans, the British, the French, and various other countries, united to fight Germany, invaded Western Europe for the first time, and they did it in the largest amphibious assault in history. It was uh, more than 150,000 troops landed along a 50-mile stretch of heavily fortified French coastline, to fight Nazi Germany on the beaches of Normandy, France. You might remember that we interviewed Joseph uh, just when well, we re-aired an interview I did with him on uh, tw- in 2016. He was 16 when he landed on that beach. If you didn't hear that, go back to the Memorial Day kind of celebration uh, back in the podcast, and it, you'll, you will love that interview. Uh, Joseph described to us what happened on that day. There were more than 5,000 ships, 11,000 aircraft, supported the invasion, and by the end of the day, The Allies had finally gained a foothold in France. You can't even imagine, if you haven't learned the details, how bloody and awful it was, but how victorious and incredible it was to the war effort. Uh, There were about 9,000 Allied soldiers killed or wounded. So we are in Bedford, Virginia today, Bruce and I, and the reason we're here, this is where the National Memorial to those that were killed on D-Day is, and that's because Bedford was just a little town of about 3,000. And of 37 um, citizens, young men from Bedford, in Company A of the 116th Infantry Regiment, 29th Division, 31 of them loaded into landing craft and headed for Om- Omaha Beach in the first wave. And en route, the, uh, a landing craft struck an obstacle and sank, stranding dozens far from the shore, including five of Bedford's boys. Now, the remaining 26 successfully reached Omaha Beach, where 16 were killed. Four wounded, just within a matter of minutes. Three others were unaccounted for and later presumed kill in the action. There's a whole lot more to say about that story, but it was a total of 20. They, uh, Bedford, Virginia, suffered the nation's severest per capita D-Day loss because it was a small town, 20 boys. Uh, it's a really sad story, but it's also just a sor- story of patriotism. So we're here enjoying this, and while we were here, you'll never guess who we met. We met the grandson of General George S. Patton. The grandson of General Patton. Uh, and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk to him, we did talk to him, and then we're going to talk about a little bit more about Patton after we have that discussion with him. So uh, you this is really interesting, and I hope that you'll stay tuned for this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational.
2: And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think
1: the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, this is fun. We are today, this is actually for us in real time, the day before the 79th anniversary of D-Day, the day that the Allies landed, the Americans landed, and the Allies on the shores of Normandy. It was a huge battle.
3: (laughs) There goes a tank. Uh, There goes a tank. (laughs) (laughs) Going into the water.
1: (laughs) Oh, and that's the voice of George Patton. George Patton, Pat Waters, was the grandson of the famous George General George S. Patton, the the, uh, the commander of the Third Army, uh, who this is interesting. We won't go into this yet, but uh, leading up to that, he was the big he was the man in terms of the generals uh, under Eisenhower, and so George Patton Pat Waters is his grandson, and we yeah. are at Bedford. Virginia the day before this 79th year celebration commemoration and I uh it's a beautiful day we're outside you're going to hear you know like tractors going by whatever <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh we just uh, we just ran across uh Pat uh, just happened we had no idea he was here because we uh as you know most those of you who listen I just interviewed a 91-year-old gentleman. I interviewed him in 2016. His name was Joseph. He called randomly on the morning show, uh, and talked about how what happened when he landed on the beaches in Normandy. Uh, He was 16 years old, and he told us this dramatic story. I replayed it recently on Memorial Day, and so uh, now we here we are at the 79th anniversary. And of course, Joseph served under General Patton. He actually drove his jeep. So. Just the just the, the connections here. My own father was in Patton's Third Army, so, uh, Pat, it's really, really an honor to meet well, you. Thank you for joining us.
3: I'm the lucky one to get to see meet both of you all coming oh. up here. I'm so glad you stopped in here to, to re re you know reconnect with these folks. Is it it's possible so you fun- have
1: your grandfather's eyes?
3: <laughs> I well, they're my own, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: I, uh, my I was always told I did.
1: Yeah, he'd had those blazing... I mean, we, yeah. we saw the movie, so we know. I'm not I'm well, kidding. No, well we've now, seen. <laughs> you,
3: George C. Scott did a wonderful job, though. He was extremely
1: good. Yes, we're talking about... You know, we're talking to lots of people, and some of them, as you well know, don't know their history well. So we're going to kind of talk about Surely. this, because this you are... Even though I know you're not your grandfather still... The bloodline and the knowledge that you have of him would be something that we wouldn't know and his he is no, no i wouldn't <laughs> and so um bruce and i both love history both of our dads served in actually his dad served in the third army also so this is a really nice connection okay so pat um you were born in 1941
3: is that right, right? Let, me, let me just where i came from yes uh, my mother was beatrice patton and she was general patton's first born daughter And she married my dad and my dad was 1931 West Point and they got married in 36 and I was born in 41. I have an older brother born in 1939. And so that's how I came into the world. I didn't, I've done nothing to be Patton, but I'm, you know, I am his grandson and I accept that. But I was a Naval officer because my father thought I really didn't need to go in the army and mess up his career because he as well was a four-star general
1: your father my
3: dad was john waters
1: okay and he
3: was exceptional um you know to grow up under and so i had i had an, a choice of the navy or the navy and so <laughs> i chose the navy which i loved and uh, oh. served five years and and the war was over. We figured we won it, so we came home. <laughs> so no, that's how I am. I'm George Patton Waters. I'm the second born. My brother's John Knight Waters, which is my dad's name. Okay. So that's
1: so you have yeah. like the mill. You know, it's an interesting. Yeah, I'm sure you know this, Pat. Um, Bruce and I find that uh, like our families are. We're not like 10 generations of military, but I'm telling you, mine goes back to the Revolutionary War. Yeah. Uh, but, and there are, but there are so many uh, Americans who have no, no connection with service to the country, no connection with this day, no understanding. Um, and no interest. And no interest. That's
3: what kills me. There's so many people that don't know what today is. I even had friends say, why are you going to Bedford? What's on June the 6th? And I just think, well you come along sometime because they, they don't they don't know where it all came from and no. this is this is the place this is a memorial to those that gave it all and those that came home also
1: now this particular memorial bruce and i just got here so we haven't had a chance to take the tour or anything oh, but Lord. It, it, we will so this is a tour is this a a tribute to all of those on day day or is it a tribute to that particular family in bedford that lost so many sons
3: no they chose bedford because of the loss of the sons mm-hmm. And I think it was just all around Virginia wanted to do something as a memorial. But this memorial is for all the the, 3,000 or, I know, 150,000 that came ashore on the three beaches. And it's, uh, when you see it, I mean, they've got bronze figures of actually like people that were actually there crawling ashore. And the little bullets come, oh, it's amazing what they have. No, it's a tribute to all who served not just to the uh, Bedford boys.
1: You know, it seems like um, if we could paint a picture, sort of, Uh, It's probably the modern version of when we used to see the British march in a straight flank against the opposition And they just go down like flies and then the the next line of defense A next line of offense would come up and they just drop and drop and some happened to live and some Happened to die and they just kept moving forward Well, this is kind of like those guys going ashore with the backs of those Amphibious trucks dropping down. They were coming. They're marching into bullets without Did they have air cover then? I don't even... They know. had
3: slight air coverage, but it, it was... The Germans had the, had the beach, uh, you know, it was lined up. You got off the ship, or you came out of the bow of the ship, and you were a target. They knew where you were. A friend of mine, a fellow who was a veteran, came ashore at a tank, and he was driving off the LST, and the minute the door opened to the tank uh, the LST, it was too far offshore, he drove off the end of it into the water well just as it went into the water a round of 5155 five german round went into the back of his tank through the commander's the back both front hatches were open just blew them out like corks i mean it was just it was a massacre but it wasn't that wasn't that bad cuz we sure we came ashore and we got there
1: yeah the thing of it is it was by sheer by sheer force sheer of num- will, will and, and sacrifice of lives they actually got ashore, and this was the beginning of the invasion that ended up in Germany. Or, yeah. Well, they didn't; the Americans didn't go into Germany, but um, but it
3: ended up uh, it ended up well. But the thing is, this is when it all began. Of your brothers, take care of you. You followed yeah. the guy before you, behind you, yeah. beside you. You took care of him. This was, I think, the actual big first time we realized that that uh, all in combat are brothers, mm-hmm. and that's what you were fighting for was your brother. I know you're fighting for your wife too, but. Some of them didn't have them. Yeah, <laughs> they just wanted live. But that's
1: what I, it's what I hear men say who are in combat. You know, like even yeah. you know in Iraq and Iraq, they say the same thing. It's like the Brotherhood because they 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 Bob, are locked Bob. together sure. and they either fight together or they die together. You know, they do. It's a mystery to so many people as we just described because they've never done that. But I wish you could have heard that. I'd love I would to. I describe this again. I'm on the show doing a live show in the mornings. And I ask, it was a D-Day of another year, 2020. And I just ask, is there a World War II veteran who has a story about this day? Uh, I don't want you to call me and tell me about your grandfather, your father. I want only, if you're not a veteran, you don't have a story, don't call me. The phone rings. It's this Joseph. Hi, this is Joseph. And he could hardly hear, but he was hilarious. And he starts to tell us about, he was 16, he he talked about the waves. He was in the third wave. He talked mm-hmm. about the, the water being filled with blood, the bodies everywhere as he climbed, as he got on shore. It was so moving. And um, Pat, his daughter, contacted us later. He, Joseph has since died. Uh, but his, wife, his daughter contacted us later and said the family had never heard those details. They uh,
3: don't Joseph, want to talk about uh, it. No, they don't.
1: But we that was a golden moment, and I well, think that um
3: you were lucky to get that, and he was wonderful to give that to you what a what a memory for everybody to share
1: really and truly <laughs> and the truly um what um you now your dad your grandfather was not <laughs> we I don't want to start with this part because I want to talk about his well he was called old blood and guts <laughs> he was really uh, I, it's hard to explain how would you describe? How would you describe your grandfather? Not from your personal knowledge yet, just okay. the, the the public figure. Well, I,
3: everybody thought he was a mean, great big, you know, um, boisterous, S.O.B. If you excuse the language, but he was just a person, a big person. He was just really big. And
1: you um, mean big physically? No, that's what uh, they larger thought. His, they his thought personality. Of him. They
3: thought thought he was. I mean, he was not. He was about the same size as I am probably didn't weigh as much but uh, he he was uh, I mean he had blue eyes and you know he was a nice looking guy after you got past the uniform part of it yeah but I think people respected him because he he led and, and that's why they said oh blood and guts you know it's our blood and your guts or your, our guts and your blood he he just he didn't stop I mean you look at all of his actions it, You watch football when they start playing consecutive mm-hmm. That's the way he did it. He just kept going. There was no time to stop except when they cut his fuel off.
1: Can you tell us some, uh, like, just give us a, t- tell us some history. What what is, what kind of, no, I'm not talking about the controversies yet. We'll get to that. But there was no controversy. Oh, okay. He was right. I mean, <laughs> oh, what's no, the no. issue? I <laughs> know, I know. But, but according, to, according to historians, there were some problems, but... Um, they you were know, wrong. But he was fierce in battle, and that was the point. And this was a, I think you know Bruce and I watched recently. Uh, well, it was a British series, and the remark was made. They were investigating this these terrible murders, and one of the detect- detectives detectives said, "This is not like anything we've seen. This is pure evil. This is pure evil." Yeah. And world war, I'm sure all wars contain evil, but this war was particularly driven by a wicked evil. Don't you well, believe
3: it was? But <clears throat> you have to realize that he. General Patton convinced his men to believe in what he believed in. And they convinced him they could do, what the, do the job. And so when you have that kind of a determination, you're in stop, unstoppable. Yeah. And that's what he, that was his expertise, was to, to share. Uh, I mean, his personality was, was driving. And he drove his men, he, he made them know their value and what they're worth. Every man is uh, worth so much. Every finger is worth so much as my dad says, because you can pull the trigger, and that's why you need you need those people who are committed and devoted.
1: I've asked my husband Bruce to sit next, but Bruce um uh, again, his father was he was a, a Purple Heart winner, and he wore some he wore some other uh, won some other awards for his was valor. He wasn't a winner;
3: <laughs> he earned. He, was he earned a it. Yes, yeah, thank it. you, yeah. thank you.
1: Pardon me, my pardon my language, my miss. Uh, representing, no, that's fine. But fun, uh, Bruce uh, loves uh, all things war. He knows all about it. And I know he has so much information and knowledge about General Patton. I thought maybe he might want to just ask you some questions.
2: Well, or first, if it's, it's an honor to meet you, sir. Bruce, and it's
3: my honor to meet you. Thank fa- you for what you're doing, um, both of you all.
2: Your family has given so much to our country. And I think what you were saying earlier about people not having interest or not caring, that's, that's a real shame. It's more than just a shame, but it's 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 really hard to believe. Scary, isn't it? And it's again, it is an honor to meet someone representing your family. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, you know we all have a a, a a public perception of your grandfather, and uh, you guys have touched on it. But um, what's uh, I, I know your your time with him was very limited, but do you have any uh, personal stories about about the general?
3: Oh yeah well i I know language is important, but and I won't use the profanity, but I mean from the day I met him, I was f- almost five and he came home he'd never he'd never seen me as a grandson, and my mother told me to go out and stand by my jeep and salute him when he got out of the car. So I see this monstrous person getting out of the car that all we knew was big and bad and had a second vocabulary. <laughs> he gets out of the car and I see the boots come out and then as a German shepherd he has he lets that damn dog out and we didn't get along the shepherd and And then his body with the pistols and the cigar and the helmet comes out and he looks at me I probably saluted with the left hand but he addresses me and says who are you you little bleep and I said well that's my new name (laughs) so we didn't start off well (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, you know, he had no idea who I was or what I was. I he mean,
1: really didn't know no, who
2: you were. No, he didn't know. You know, it, that's one of the things about war that gets lost sometimes is Sandy's older sister was born while your dad was she overseas. Was right, right
1: before he went over, and she, w- she was a newborn, and when he came back, he, she was three years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he didn't even, he was never around her when she was little.
3: Well, that's that's the thing, but you know also you asked about his personality I mean he it, it was something but he really you knew inside he was a good person but you didn't want to talk to him you didn't want to sit in a room with him you just didn't I didn't need to be around him and he didn't need me to be around him
1: well tell me what was the relationship with your mother and him was she was the oh, first oh she
3: was very close they were very close so
1: how did he relate to her
3: Well, I don't remember.
1: I was so terrified. Five years old, okay. I ran
3: in and told my brother. He said, well, what's he look like? Because my brother was terrified. And I said, well, he's not Santa
2: Claus.
3: (laughs) Because we thought he was going to bring us some presents. He didn't bring us any presents, but he brought a footlocker. In the footlocker, there was a Mauser, a, a couple of rifles, some crumpled uniforms. And he had a helmet that had a hole right in the front of it. And he stood, got that helmet. Of course, I tried to put it on right away to see what it felt like. Well, it cut my head, and I started crying. Well, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and after I took it off, though, he looked at me, and he, you, know, you so-and-so person, don't, don't be afraid, because this helmet was the helmet of a hero. It was a German helmet, and I have it on a Jeep at home now. But he said the man died for his country, so he was very respectful of the enemy of the soldiers, of the officers, of everybody. He was not, I'm the only one. Well, he would say that, but he was just extremely grateful of that.
2: And I think going back to what you had mentioned earlier about your grandfather, it was go, 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 you know, keep yeah. moving. You know, some people would view that as, well, that's kind of reckless. But really, if you think about it, that's the way you save your own people. You don't give the enemy time to regroup, to regroup. and, and put up re, uh, put, bring in reinforcements and put up a, a barricades. You want to just stay as hot on their trail as you can get.
3: That's exactly right. And that's what he believed. In. That's, I mean, he followed that from what you were talking about, the lines of the British. They would just keep going. You think, well, how stupid can you be? The guy, Three guys up get shot. The next guy gets shot. You know, it's your turn. But you kept going and that's the kind of motivation you have to develop.
1: I want to know from you two war gurus, I want to know what he accomplished. I'm telling you, we're talking to people that have no knowledge. So what, did he take on Rommel? Uh, was Was that his big battle in North Africa? I don't know, see.
3: Well, he went into North Africa and helped resolve that situation. My dad went into North Africa and became a guest of the Germans, so he got captured, but then Patton came in afterwards, and Patton was, I mean, my dad was shipped away by the Germans. What did he accomplish? I think he led the spirit of America to the victory, you know, all the way up to uh, the pills and Republic. I mean, he led it to the borders. He led it as far as he could go. He was working against Eisenhower most of the time, which is, we know that. And,
1: working against him. Yeah, so they didn't have a good, I didn't they know. Weren't,
3: they weren't the best of friends.
1: Different I, style, right? Totally yeah, well, different Eisenhower,
3: Patton was not a politician. He was a warrior. And Eisenhower was a politician, and not a, Eisenhower never fired a rifle. He never shot at a person. But he was damn good in what he's thinking. And I think between the two of them, they were a team. But, you know, a lot of teams have a little bit of envy between the two captains. And so Joe uh, Patton made some mistakes, but he, he, he lost some pretty high numbers of men in certain things he did. But
1: like when, like Churchill, who took chances. You yeah. remember he was so criticized because he, he made he did some incredible, unusual things. Yeah. and won, and sometimes he'd do incredible, unusual things and lost, and lost a lot of people. Well, yeah, that's the price of war. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's the price of war. But the people in this country don't even know. I've asked people about the war, and they say which war? Oh, I know. Who fought? Who was in it?
2: You know, I think probably um, one of the most important things your grandfather did was we were really on our heels when (sighs) we first went into the war. Our army was not ready. Our equipment was not good. Our soldiers were not trained properly. And um, he went in, your grandfather, and really put the wood to some people and got people straightened out, got them thinking like soldiers, looking like soldiers, acting like soldiers. Because... Think of the head start the Germans had oh, on the yeah. Americans. They had already been in the actual war for two years. A lot of them had been in uh, Spain during that civil war. A lot of them had come up, you know, the Hitler Youth, they were and far they bad. were trained militarily and trained to think like military people. And here's our guys; they're basically at home. Uh, for that time and all of a sudden they're called up into the army and they don't know anything about no they
3: service. just volunteered to go or they got called but mm-hmm. no no we had no knowledge of, of that kind of fighting
1: now when you were a kid um did you did you talk about what was happening on the war theater your dad was well your dad was there too he was a the,
3: prisoner of war okay. he, he was the guest of the germans well he that's what
1: you that. Yes. Yeah, so tell us mm-hmm. about that a little well, bit
3: well he uh, no, well, you know, I was five when Patton came around, and right. I didn't know what he did for a living. I didn't have any idea, <laughs> because war was not discussed. We Seriously? Always, okay. We always blacked out our windows at night. I remember one time, I was terrified of lightning, and uh, we, the uh, nobody blacked out the windows, and Patton was there. So this lightning kept going off, and I said, well, God, I don't want to be around that. And uh, so I hid under a couch, or a a bed, a bunk, and all of a sudden I hear these boots coming down the hall, you know, boom, 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 and my brother's little squeaky voice. Uncle George said, where the hell's Georgie? And I'm thinking, I know where I am. (laughs) And fortunately there was a dog in there, a boxer, that had come in with me because he didn't care for it either. His hand reaches underneath the couch for the insertion, and... I pushed the boxer, in. it bit his hand. Oh! My <laughs> hand came back and got me. I was bloody. It looked like I'd been chewed up. But he sort of, he changed my name from Georgie. He said, Nob- nobody's a coward. Nobody's going to be called Georgie who's a coward. And oh I God. mean, I was terrified. So Yeah. He,
1: so this is actually uh, not a funny is, story. No, this, this is true.
3: It changed my name. And uh, I was fine with Pat. Well, my brother said they named it Patsy, but I shortened it, so it's Pat. Oh.
1: Well, that, okay, so that leads us to the story that's famous about your dad, and that is uh, a soldier was, uh, have what we call now PTSD, I guess you would call it that, and the Patton was visiting the hospitals. Now, the precursor to that, my understanding, uh, maybe because I just, is that he was, you know, cared about his men. He's in there checking on them. So, do you want to tell, did you? Well, let me ask,
3: ask you this. What is your choice? If you've got 490,000 men sitting in foxholes that are just as scared and one guy sitting on a hospital bed saying, General, I'm scared. I mean, what was he supposed to do, say, oh, you'll get over it? No. He did that. He slapped that guy because of the 490-some-odd thousand people that he was representing. Yes, he cared for his people. And that soldier, I think that soldier turned out pretty good. He went back to war and he ended up a janitor at a, a high school in new orleans i met him he said that's the best thing that ever happened to him
1: you know isn't that interesting i was actually going to ask you that well if we know what happened it reminds me of um well uh, this i just think that when you discipline children even uh, we are so averse to doing anything that would hurt their feelings that we've We've let them just We've get weak occur, and yeah. yeah, and so uh, that's what he was doing. He was exercising. He was like, "Wake up! Stop it! And get a hold yeah. of yourself." My mother used to say that to me. Did your mother say that to you, Bruce?
2: Uh, yeah, and in probably a little stronger terms. Stronger terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet they were.
1: Yeah. So, but that went worldwide, and he was very criticized for that because he, you know, was like, get a hold of yourself. Basically, well, he it slapped, slapped a couple
3: people. And, yeah. And, but. I think the thing is, the man, there's a certain amount of battle fatigue that he suffered, too. Well, sure. And so he was tired. Yeah.
2: Pat, I'm sure you must uh, meet people that served under your grandfather or had family members that served under your grandfather. That must be amazing, the things that you're told.
3: Oh, it is. I mean, I'll be with some people tonight that, uh, at dinner whose dads were captured with my dad. And, oh. you know, they... They they didn't serve under Patton. They got captured. Some of them were mm-hmm. captured, you know, up in Italy and stuff. But No, no. I, I meet the most wonderful people, and I like the story about the jeep driver. Though I mean, I, there's there's one jeep driver who passed away named Jeep stanza, who lived in California, and he swore he was the driver. But we've if I accrued everybody who said they drove for Patton, <laughs> and they drove him ten miles. He'd have circled the world about 30 times.
1: <laughs> so, well, was there one particular, was there a driver that you know of that had, well, could claim that fame?
3: No, there was Jeep stands, and then there was a guy named Woolrich that was in the, driving the car in the accident. Oh, oh the, I mean, all of, the, all of the people deserve merit for what they did.
1: We should talk about how your, da- how your grandfather died.
3: Well, I want you to know that he died from that accident. He died from a broken neck. And he was in a bed, there was no conspiracy, he was in a bed with pneumonia. And in those days they just rolled you, they didn't rock you. And they just didn't roll him enough and he just actually drowned in his own saliva of what pneumonia causes. And my grandmother was over there and there was a policeman that swears he was in the room said, no, he just looked up and said, I'm gone. Um, another tank.
1: Yeah, another tank. Oh, yeah, we're gonna attack here at the War Memorial no, in Bedford, it, Virginia. It, it
3: was a. It was honestly an accident. And
1: yeah. So we didn't say he was in a jeep, and it, this was after the war, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in. Yeah. It
3: was down in Bavaria, and he was in a Cadillac-style car. He leaned through the security window, which is the window between the drivers right. and the generals where he says, well, what's that like? Well, it's like a police car, you know. And he reached through there to try to push the cigarette lighter in to light his cigar. And the driver leaned over to help him. And Uh if you look at the car at Fort Knox, the lighter's on the left, way on the right side. And the driver was short. He fell down behind the wheel, so to speak, and he just accelerated the car and hit the truck. But the truck did turn left in front of him. But how many times have you seeing somebody not start when the light's green, so you just zip left. I mean, Patton said, you can't penalize my men for this. It's not their fault. They're, it was an accident. And that's the way the families always felt it was an accident.
1: When you grew up, um, and now that you are grown up, not I'm yet. sure those—well, <laughs> you haven't grown up yet. Okay, <laughs> sorry, correct that. Uh, when you were young, you had these not-good experiences with your uncle, and that doesn't surprise us that know his M.O. about he was tough and just all that you said, stern. Uh, but has your opinion—has it altered? I mean, you you hear what the world is saying about him, and you have your own personal experiences, but as you've grown up and you served in the military yourself, what are your thoughts about him as a man? Have they—
3: his contributions to this country were just unbelievable. I mean, as I've grown up I've just learned to to love that. I love the the people who served with him. You've got to remember those three or four hundred thousand people he commanded and also you've got to remember their wives. Every one of these guys either had a mother or a wife. Every one of these boys that was killed they were birthed, nurtured, probably taken to the train station by their moms. And so those are just—I've met more of them because they've obviously the younger generation of the older generations. You just—they're just wonderful people, and I'm, a lucky, I'm the luckiest guy to have had him as a uh, grandfather.
1: And you know, I was just going to say, my father was an engineer in the Engineer Corps, building the bridges, oh, okay. you know, in the rivers, and he has a lot of interesting stories. I remember just one colorful story. They are. Uh, building a bridge, and the Germans are on one side of the river, and the, the Americans are on the other side of the river, and they're in the middle of the river. They've just finished this pontoon bridge, and they're trying to get to safety, but they're in the crossfire of both sides. And he talked about how terrifying that was sure yes and then he also talked about one time being on the back of one of those transport trucks where they transport soldiers and they're sitting sideways and it's like a canopy yeah, and like around yeah. and um Toots. they all of a sudden a german plane comes at them to strafe the convoy and uh, it, it, they hit the truck my dad was on he said the guys on either side of him were killed and he was blown out of the truck uh, so, um, just just things like, just war. I just wanted to kind of get give people an understanding, and my dad came back home. You that's know. that's the sad part. Oh, yeah.
3: I mean, it's a good part for us, but for the people who, you know, the kids didn't come home and have Christmas and stuff like that. And there's, there's a lot to be said.
1: Is there anything else you'd want to say about... Uh, your grandfather your grandfather General George S. Patton or uh, about about D-Day itself anything at well I, th-
3: I think the first thing about General Patton is I so appreciate you doing that doing this and keeping it aware keeping people aware but as far as D-Day itself what a remarkable day it is and what a remarkable day it is here in Bedford and how sad it is America hasn't figured out how this all started and what these boys did, and men and women, when they went ashore. Uh, I've met them up here. I've been coming here for some time, and I've met a lot of the veterans. I mean, Jesus, what a sacrifice. What a chance they took. But, you know, they just they believed in this country. And if we don't believe in our country, if we don't believe it's worth dying for, then we're not really a very good person. I don't, that's I don't think.
1: I feel the same way. I mean, I always say that uh, America is people, some people laugh at patriotism. Uh, But uh, we have a family, all of us, and we are expected to sort of protect and defend and love our families, our mothers, our fathers, our brothers and sisters. But America is our family as well, our extended family. And if we don't care about it, we don't protect it, uh, and we don't defend it, then we are neglecting our family. And so that's why. It's our duty. Yes, absolutely. Duty on our country. Yeah.
3: And if you don't take this as your duty, then you don't, I just, I don't say you're worthless, but. You need to change. You need to get up and believe in God and believe in your country and believe in your duty. Because it's your duty to believe in something. Why not the country?
1: Well, yes. So. Well, and God first and the country. I'm with well, you on that. Oh, yeah, I agree H- there. George Patton, Pat Waters. It's been a pleasure. Grandson of General George S. Patton, uh, who commanded the Third Army. This is really a serendipitous moment. I thank yes, for you for joining too. us. Okay, thank, thank, you thank you so much. Thank All you. right, Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, there's a whole lot more to say about General George S. Patton, and Bruce is such a war buff uh, that we're going to tell you some stories that we didn't get to in our interaction with Mr. Waters. So I hope you'll stay tuned. But first, I want to thank Preborn, and I want to thank all of you who have so generously contributed. Abortion seemed like the only option for a girl named Mackenzie, but she and her boyfriend agreed to an ultrasound. And it was still too early to determine if her baby was healthy and viable, but her client advocate from preborn was able to help them better understand fetal development and what is involved in abortion and they were both horrified they were invited to come back for a second ultrasound and after hearing her baby's heartbeat it became real but she still wasn't sure after a third ultrasound she was still confused but when the client advocate told her about god and the miracle of life she and her boyfriend decided to keep that baby and now they're signed up for parenting classes and other services offered by a pre-born network clinic. You see, that's how it works. Preborn is in the business of not only saving babies' lives, but really saving the eternal life, <laughs> creating eternal life, presenting eternal life to the moms, uh, and, and to, to bring abundant life. It's really not enough just to save the baby, although that's what they do. So the way they work is through these ultrasound uh, machines that they offer. They cost $28 for each test for these girls or revelation ultrasound and if you'd like to help you can go to preborn.com slash sandy that's preborn.com slash sandy all right coming up next bruce is going to join me and we're going to tell you some stories that you might not have heard anyplace else so stay tuned this is sandy rios 24 7 on american family radio
0: See it. All this stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the Champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. Because the very thought of losing is hateful to Americans.
1: Well, that was the famous actor George C. Scott playing George S. Patton uh, in a movie of, by that name, Patton, uh, several years ago. It was a dramatic moment. It was the opening of the movie, and it was an actual speech that George S. Pat- Patton delivered. I thought you might want to hear it. Well, let's go back to our on location when we're, we had just finished interviewing George S. Patton's grandson, and uh, we're sitting around the picnic table, and this is what it sounded like. Okay, Sandy Rios, back with you. I've asked Bruce to join me again because Bruce knows so much about war. He's like a walking encyclopedia. And honestly, honey, I felt in that conversation, we I wanted to hear more about General Patton, uh, even more than we got from his grandson. And, I wanna, and so you have a story to tell about him that I think we should share.
2: Well, I think since we're um, here commemorating D-Day, it's important to tell the story of Patton's both involvement and non-involvement In the D-Day invasion, Um, even though publicly President Roosevelt had selected uh, Eisenhower to be the Allied Supreme Commander, the Germans were not convinced of this. They said, no way, Patton is going to lead this attack on the eventual attack on Europe because he's their best fighting general. And so the Americans basically used this um, misconception by the Germans in their favor because... What the Americans, the Allies were afraid of with D Day is we've got to keep the Germans off balance. We cannot let them know exactly where we're coming ashore or they'll be waiting for us and they may blow us right back into the water. So logic would tell you that uh, the Americans, uh, the Allies would have attacked from England across the English Channel to the Pas de Calais. It's only 22 miles away and there's beaches there. However, Normandy which was the other likely uh, landing space, was 60 miles across the English Channel. The English Channel is a rough body of water. It's not not, um, easily crossed. So the Americans decided, you know what? We're going to use Patton as our decoy. And we're going to build up a fake army around him. And we're going to give radio traffic that they knew the Germans were intercepting, indicating that Patton was in Calais, and that he was gearing up to lead the real attack against Europe. And what uh, the army did is they went to Hollywood and got um, people that were good at creating like blow up or inflatable tanks, trucks, jeeps, planes. And they scattered these around the area near where Patton's alleged army was so that it looked like they were building up all this equipment. To invade with. And
1: could I just say that the Germans fell for that hook, line, and sinker?
2: They did. <laughs> uh, even weeks later, Hitler was still convinced that the attack at Normandy was a diversion <laughs> and that Patton was going to lead a huge invasion across the Pate-Calais.
1: You know, one thing we just found out in the tour uh, was that Hitler had one of his famous parties where he had a lot of people, a lot of drinking, and everyone listening to him talk because he did like to talk. And you did have to listen if he talked. So they went to the early morning hours, and then his doctor would give him some kind of narcotic to help him sleep. And so he actually did not even know because they weren't allowed to wake him up about the invasion, invasion until noon the next day. Yeah.
2: On, on June the 6th, uh, the Germans started uh, running into the paratroopers who, who were dropped near midnight. And then at 6.30 in the morning, that's when the big invasion started. And at noon that, that day, Hitler was still sleeping. <laughs> and like Sandy said, they were such underlings, they were afraid to wake up the Fuhrer out of his sleep to let him know that the invasion was on and even after he did eventually wake and they asked him for permission to use the german tanks as reinforcements he refused to allow that because he said this is a diversion the real attack will come at calais
1: and one more thing because i think this is kind of this makes me smile Hitler had declared that the Americans were mongrels. They could never beat the German troops on land. If they ever came into Germany, they would just, they would lose because the Americans were, and he gave a, you know, a series of, uh, let's say racial slanders yeah. uh, about the Jews, about the uh, black Americans, about Italians. He had a whole list. He had Everybody had a name uh, because he, you remember, he was an eugenicist and he believed in the superiority of the German race. And so he didn't think we could ever beat him. That's one glorious thing about this victory on D-Day. And I think you could easily say that this was this was the turning point in the war. And if you don't know much about World War II, get out your crack out your old Britannica. You might have to go to some older source. I'm not sure Google's trustworthy now. <laughs> but uh, this is the most incredible story where so many men gave their lives. And it's been a pleasure to be here. You'll want to come to this. It's in Bedford, Virginia. It's the National D-Day Memorial. Honey, thank you. I so appreciate your information on this.
2: This is an amazing place. I highly, highly request that you come here.
1: Okay, so I hope you enjoyed this version of Sandy Rios 24-7.